Hello everybody and welcome back to another Minutes with Mew presented by Chestnut Hill Technologies. I'm your host Mike Galtieri, very excited as we gear up for the 2019 season. Always lucky to be joined by Scott Mutrin. He's the voice of uh, on the sideline reporter for BC IMG Learfield Radio Network and uh, we'll be ready to go and back once again for another season. So big th- thanks to Scott Mutrin for joining us here on the Minutes with Mew podcast. Also, like to remind everybody before we get to Scott, if you're a BC football fan, you need to join the BC Football Gridiron Club. Just go to bcfootballgridiron.com to get more details and to sign up. There's pregame parties before every game. Um, you get a bunch of benefits throughout, special sessions to go to practices. It really is a special organization. I encourage everyone to go and join the BC Football Gridiron Club. All right. Thanks so much for listening. We'll hear first from Chestnut Hill Technologies and then go into the podcast with Scott Mutrin. As always, thanks so much for listening. Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back once again to another, another, that's right, Minutes with Mute here as we kick off this 2019 season, year three of Minutes with Mute. I'm Mike Galtieri, joined alongside uh, the infamous BC quarterback from 1994, 1998 with the program. Now the sideline reporter for the BC Radio IMG Network. Scott Mutrin joins us uh, on the Minutes of Mute podcast. But let's get right ahead right now to Scott Mutrin. Nice enough guy. He joins us from Cape Cod on the beach. He's always devoted to BC football. Scott, thanks so much for the time. Mike, absolutely. I have no better place to be talking football than sitting on the beach in Dennis. As the sun is out, and it's a beautiful day here in Cape Cod, enjoy some time away, but always excited to talk about some DC football with you going into this upcoming 2019 season. Well, Scott, you know, let's before we get to that, though, we haven't talked really since the post-the-bowl game. In case fans re, uh, remember, it was BC was up 7 nothing. I think it was in, still in the first quarter. I was down there with you in Dallas, and uh, the lightning storms came, and the game was delayed, then canceled. And uh, as fans remember, those storms were pretty bad. It was lightning the entire night. I know BC had some travel uh, issues returning. But just just to recap, Scott, what's your thoughts from the bowl game against Boise State, the short bowl game? One of the most bizarre days of my life. I actually left my house at 4.30 that morning to catch a flight down to Texas because I spent Christmas with my uh, with my young family Caught a flight down there, got into the, you know, Dallas nice and early, got over to the Cotton Bowl. It was beautiful. Sun was out. It was absolutely great day. And we knew rain was coming. We just didn't know how how hard or how much was coming. We thought there might be a chance to get it canceled. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of the first quarter, they blow the horn. The teams both go in. BC was, you know, pretty much dominating both sides of the line of scrimmage in that game. Boise State looked like either – they didn't want to play Boston College, or they just weren't equipped to handle Boston College. And then we're up in the in the press box, and the, the things I remember was, one, they didn't really have a lot of food, which is 
for, you know, when you're in the press box, Mike, you know this too as well. The, the food there was, was less than what we were accustomed to. <laughs> and then two, the, 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 the rain songs, the rain theme songs that they played, they played, you know, some Millie Vanilli, Blame It on the Rain, November Rain from Guns N' Roses, and all these different rain songs that themes, which was, I gave them a lot of credit for. That was great. And we were fully expecting to play, and then the next thing you know, after you know about an hour of delay, they just threw it up that the game was canceled, and it was kind of numb because everyone, you know, you had all the the seniors that this was their last game, and they didn't really know how to respond. Everybody else, because you're in winter break, they were trying to like, I, I got to get home. Everyone's going in different directions. We sat on the tarmac forever. You know, it was. I got home at like four o'clock in the morning. And it was the longest day of my life for about four minutes of football, and uh, it was it was it was surreal. I guess would be the best way to describe that experience. Yeah, no, I, I remember that press box as well, the old Cotton Bowl. Uh, yeah, that was that was a weird one. I actually drove to Shreveport to go to the Duke game the next day, and that was quite a drive in Texas through the thunderstorms. Man, those storms never let up for about ten hours. It was it was it was crazy for December. Yeah, that was some that was some kind of thunderstorm. I remember being on the tarmac and and waiting, and they're like, "Well, they just closed down the airport because there's another thunderstorms rolled in." And we had so many people we had to feed, and the the, the people on the plane, you had the band on the plane, and they started playing games. Then there was then there was some karaoke on the plane, so all the players started singing. That was actually pretty entertaining. That helped kill some time. And then they delivered some pizzas onto the tarmac. And the funny thing was, like, the pizzas get there, and all of a sudden they're like, oh, we got a window to go. And they really rushed the pizzas on and then got us out of there. It was, like I said, it was surreal. It was crazy being out there. And that, that whole day is something that I'll remember for a long, long time. Just I just remember laughing more than anything and just that, like, the craziness and everything, the Murphy's Law of it, right? Like, that everything that could have gone wrong did go wrong that, that day. Uh, <laughs> You know, mostly you feel bad for the, the guys, the seniors that didn't get their last game to play and didn't get their last moment to, to kind of go out and, and get that eighth win. That would have been nice for, for BC. But uh, it was it, it was just a it was a crazy day in and of itself. Well, Scott, was well said. He gives good attitude. Uh, but let's let's move on now through the summer and the fall. First of all, what did you hear about recruiting and? Any players we should look forward to uh, newcomers this 2019 season uh, before we get into Virginia Tech? Well, you know, there's obviously some new guys that have come in. They had a pretty good recruiting class that came in. And one of the benefits of Coach Adazio's program now is that their ability to redshirt guys, that they don't, they're not forced to play guys maybe a year ahead of where they want to play them. And, and with the new trans, uh, excuse me, with the new redshirting rule is that you're able to play guys four games and without losing a redshirt, and that is such a benefit for BC to be able to play, you know, guys less than four games and still preserve a redshirt because you're able to build depth that way. You're able to, to build some of that along the way. And, and one of the guys on the defensive side is the Lawrence Academy kid, Joey Lachetti. He was playing tight end, but then they moved in the defensive line, preserved the redshirt year for him. He has had a good spring and fall camp there, and he's. He's done well. He's starting to make a name for himself on the defensive line. Uh, that's that's a name to keep an eye out for because you need to replace two NFL players with Zach Allen going to the Cardinals and Wyatt Ray uh, is with the Cleveland Browns right now. But those are two guys that, that had over 30 tackles for losses and over 
you know, why Ray was in the top two or three for sacks last year. You've got to replace that production, so you're going to need to find something out there. And Joey Lachetti looks to be one of the new guys, along with, you know, senior captain uh, Tanner Carafa, who was just named captain recently. And he's a guy that's in the middle that's going to, uh, that's going to uh, be counted on to, to do some things for Boston College and, 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 hold the, and solidify that middle of the line. Uh, when you lost a guy like Ray Smith, who was a great run stopper there. So you lose three big defensive linemen there. But uh, a young guy there is Joey Lachetti on the offensive side. Wide receiver. You lose Michael Walker. You lose Jeff Smith. And a name that's been popping up a lot in the fall camp has been Zay Flowers, a freshman. And that's a guy who's, who's had some explosive plays this summer. The coaches have raved about him. You hear everyone that's gone to practice rave about his ability to, to make some big plays, his elusiveness. That's a guy that hopefully can help, you know, bring some production to that that to the offensive side of the ball, and especially in that that split out wide position where BC needs and has to have some production from those outside guys because they're pretty stacked. When you look at the running back, offensive line, and tight end. And let's let's talk if we can do just give an outlook for the the different units, the offense, defense, and special teams. You just kind of go through what should fans expect? What they lost and they gain? Which units ahead of each other? Just a general outlook for the three uh, units on the team. Yeah, so I I would say on the offensive line, everyone you lose a lot of guys there, right? Because you lose Chris Lindstrom, first round pick to the Atlanta Falcons. You lose John Baker, who was a four year you know four year starter at the center position. Uh, you you lose left tackle Aaron Montero, which which are which is a big big loss for there. Aaron Montero, I believe, is playing for the Dolphins now. So there's three guys that you know, with two of them are playing in the NFL right now. But you replace them with Alec Lindstrom's going to look to fill the center position. He was able to get some experience, but maintain that redshirt year. Then, uh, and, and you know, Ben Petrul is coming. But another name on the offensive line that that you've heard about is Tyler Vrabel. And the last name is, is the same as his father, who's the head, head coach for the Tennessee Titans. But he's a guy that's looking to fill that left tackle position that's vacated by Aaron Montero. And he's had great reviews coming out of coming out of fall camp. And even last year, Steve Adazio, as you know, he's an offensive line coach. And, and when you hear him talking about guys that that are making a name for themselves, and when he mentions an offensive lineman that's doing well, you kind of need to take note of that. So I think the offensive line is going to be good. The tight end position, I mean, you lose Tommy Sweeney, who's playing with the Buffalo Bills now, but there's so, so much depth there. You know, you have Chris you have Chris Garrison, you have Hunter Long, you have Cor Abadrizi, three guys that have had significant experience. Jake Bird is, a, you know, a fifth-year senior. you got four guys that are ready to fill in there, so a lot of depth there. The running back position, I mean, but, but you're talking about program changer A.J. Dillon, but you have Travis Levy um, and and Dave Bailey, who's guys who had to produce last year. So besides the wide receiver position, you, you really have a lot of experience coming back there. And, and then the biggest position of all is Anthony Brown, the quarterback, coming back for his third year, not coming off the injury that he came from last year. And, and that's, a, that's a unit that, you know, the defense has had to carry the – for the last couple, you know, maybe for the last two years before, but now you're talking about the offense. It's switched roles now. You've lost a lot of guys on defense, so that offense should be primed to take over. Defensive side, we've, we've mentioned the three guys that have left and, and, and those guys that need to fill in. I think Brandon Bowers and 
Bold, excuse me, and uh, Marcus Valdez on the defensive line are expected to fill in. The linebacking core, they've lost some guys, but you got Isaiah McDuffie, although he's coming off a knee injury. There's some depth there with John Lamont and Max Richardson. The secondary is obviously going to be a question because you've lost four guys back there. Uh, you know, two, just some big losses back there when you. When you lose, um, you know, Will Harris that's gone and playing in the NFL right now for the Detroit Lions, and those positions need to be filled. Mike Palmer did get some experience at the safety position, but Brandon Sebastian did a good job last year. But, you know, when you're losing Lucas Dennis, who, you know, who's playing in the NFL, and some, and some other guys, that that's a position group that there's going to need to be some guys to step up. A name that I've heard a lot through fall camp is Tate Haynes has played pretty well. Uh, he switched over from quarterback last year to to come and, and have to add on that side. So, But two big guys with, with – when you look at Brandon Sebastian and Tate Haynes, both guys over six feet tall. So you got some rangy guys that are going to be able to play. And with Bill Sheridan taking over the defense after Anthony Campanelli left, it's going to be interested to see what kind of differences and nuances he brings to his style and how he wants to play this year. Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by a BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com. And then, Scott, what are the big, um, as we look ahead to Virginia Tech, what, what can we expect from the Hokies? As week one comes upon us. Hokies, always a tough matchup, usually down a little bit last year. Nice win BC got in Blacksburg. But you have to expect they'll be back and uh, be a tough, tough competition in week one. Well, Justin Fuentes spotlight this year. There's, there was some talk you know, a couple of years ago, him being the biggest in college football in Virginia Tech with the steal getting them. But now at seven, uh, you know, Josh Jackson, their quarterback who, who had a great game against BC about three years ago, left, is now starting quarterback for Maryland. Ryan Willis has taken the charge as the quarterback position there. But there's been some issues there on offense. Defensively, Bud Foster, he's retiring after this season. And he's been there forever. I mean, he's been there so long. He was actually coaching when I was still playing. Um, <laughs> but his defenses were always big, aggressive. Uh, defenses that that last year were kind of uh, put to the test because they had a lot of injuries and they were forced to start a lot of young guys that were probably not ready to play. And the good news is they took a beating last year, but for them, they're going to have 16 guys that are coming back with game experience for Virginia Tech on defense. Um, so expect them to be a little bit better than they were last year. B-State dominated that game. Um, last year, they just weren't able to hold on to the ball. There were some crucial turnovers that hurt them, I thought, in the first half. But then Travis Levy had a great game filling in for A.J. Dillon that game. And I remember the highlight run that he had. I still remember being right in there him going two hits and carrying that into the end zone to get the game-clinching touchdown for B.C. in that game. But they have some explosive guys on offense. Uh, Hazleton is a wide receiver, is a guy that had eight touchdowns last year. He's pretty explosive outside of the perimeter. Going to definitely put this new secondary to task. But I don't know 
if that defense, you know, maybe they've gotten bigger, stronger, faster, but when you look at the BC offensive line and their ability to run the ball that game, when you have an Adrian Dillon that's coming in at 100%, I, I really think that's a game changer for that group. So it's going to be really interesting to see um, how Virginia Tech handles a, a healthy A.J. Dillon and then how B.C. handles, the, you know, that Justin Fuente's explosive passing attack with some dynamic uh, options on the perimeter for, for Virginia Tech. Big picture-wise, and fans I talk to across the country throughout the year of the offseason, the biggest theme, in my opinion, is, and they all want to know, it be, it, it, fans are dying uh, to see BC make that next step. You mentioned Virginia Tech last year. After that win, BC was 7-2. and two. They had college game day coming in, and then they lost three in a row. The floodgates opened. Uh, the bowl game never, it was canceled. So what's your general take this year, and how important is it for BC to reach at least that eight-win plateau? I think for the, the program, everyone, you know, it's funny, Pete Cronin mentions this a lot, it's that when you win six, they expect you to win seven. You win seven, they expect you to win eight. And it's true, expectations should be high, and, and they expect that. Um, I think for, for BC to get to that next threshold, uh, a big thing that needs to happen is Anthony Brown needs to take that step to just being from being a game manager or, you know, relied on to make a play here or there to being that guy on offense. And I think that he needs to be the game changer for Boston College this year. A.J. Dillon is a special talent, but in the end, you're going to need someone that pulls the trigger that's able to make plays in the passing game, and he needs to take that step. If D.C. wants to get to that next level where it's 8, 9, 10 wins, it's going to be on Anthony Brown's shoulders. And you know what? As a quarterback, that's all you could ever ask for want the opportunity to get out there and make plays and be that guy and from what i've heard from anthony he expects that he wants to be that guy so it's up to him if he takes that step but if bc wants to get to that level that's what they need to do and it's it's kind of simple you know there are some questions on the defensive line and the secondary but i think with the talent and the scheme and, and as you'll see some guys step up this year the difference maker is, as you look out throughout the entire ACC, the teams that are able to you know, obviously have some talent across the board in other positions, but the teams that are able to excel at the quarterback position are the teams that end up separating themselves from others. So for D.C., you've got to look at 13 this year, and that's kind of it's his year to kind of step up and make that step from good quarterback to great quarterback. And if he can do that, then I think as a, as a fan and as a, you know, a supporter of Boston College, that's, that's what you're hoping for. All right. Spoken like a true QB. All right, Scott. Hey, last question before I let you go. Other teams in the ACC obviously have Clemson in the mix. Uh, who else should we be looking for following? Maybe start with the Atlantic and then over in the Coastal. So on, on our side of the bracket, as I like to refer to it, it's you're, you're looking at uh, North Carolina State loses their quarterback. Ryan Finley's playing for the Cincinnati Bengals. They lost some offensive players on that side of the ball, so what are they going to do there? Florida State lost DeAndre Francois, uh, but Willie Tiger's going to have a second year coming back there, so they expect some stability on that side. Um, Syracuse loses Eric Dungey, but DeVito's coming. Uh, Tommy DeVito, I hope I have his name right. Tommy DeVito, I think it is, who played some last year, is a guy that is going to, you know, come in on that side. And he was high expectations. He was a four-star recruit growing in the Syracuse. But there's definitely some question marks besides Syracuse, which is, I mean, excuse me, besides Clemson, which is the returning national champion, Trevor Lawrence, who is just all-world everything. I mean, he's 
absolutely everything that you read about plus 10. Uh, so on that side, that that's they're pretty loaded. Uh, on the other side of the bracket, like you look at Virginia Tech, if, they, if they're able to beat Boston College this week, that it sets them up for their, their side of the bracket because who's on that side? Georgia Tech has the new coach, Miami, new head coach in Manny Diaz. They're breaking in a, a redshirt freshman quarterback. We watched them play against Florida this past week. Um, maybe they're better on offense. Who knows? But they didn't look too great. They didn't look like they had a lot of capabilities to, to, to block in the passing game. Um, Daniel Jones from Duke is gone. North Carolina is, is breaking in a new quarterback and a new head coach with Mac Brown back there. There's a lot of transition in the ACT. It's absolutely unbelievable. You look and even if you look at Wake, you know Wake Forest. They've had some experience, but you know you're looking at Anthony Brown is is the most seasoned quarterback in the ACC because everybody else is breaking in somebody new. I mean, look at you go across the board and you got changes everywhere at these positions. So it, it it's going to be and although I you know I mentioned the key is for Boston College and Anthony Brown, but anyone who's going to make a, a play in the coastal side of things, they're going to have to have a quarterback step up and and kind of be that leader that make, helps them make that next step. And unless that happens, or if you get there's injuries that happen, you're going to see the kind of the same thing you saw last year where there were about four teams that were all in the mix for the championships for the ACC up and through like the last two weeks of the season. And you know what? Looking at the BC schedule, of course, too, if they can get through Virginia Tech, I mean, it does shape up well, at least in the beginning of the first half of the of the schedule, uh, Richmond, Kansas, and Rutgers. Not exactly murderer's row for the uh, scheduling makers. <laughs> right, but you're exactly right. And you, you hate to put so much pressure on one game, especially the first game of the year, but it, you're exactly right. If BC's able to get a W against Virginia Tech and then beat the teams they should, then they set themselves up nicely for you know what could be a special year. But it is brutal because it's not only is it front-end loaded on possible wins, but they're also home games. And you're looking at the end of the season where you play five, you know, four of your last five are on the road against some really quality opponents. Notre Dame's always a great team. you got to play them on the road. you got to play Pitt on the road, which is basically a carbon copy of what PC is. Uh, you know, similar programs built in similar dynamics. Yeah. So if PC gets to that fast start, you know, momentum, I've talked about this a lot, Mike, is that, Momentum is a great thing. When it's on the positive side, it can really help you and, and, and propel you in certain directions. But when it goes on the negative side, it can, it can do the exact opposite effect. And and if they're they're unable to kind of get those those W's out on the on the front end of that schedule, it could set up they could set up tough because the back end of the PC schedule is really really. Yeah, no question about it. Just looking at it. Louisville, Clemson, Syracuse. Notre Dame and Pittsburgh all on the road down the stretch. Exactly. But in, like Louisville breaking in another quarterback and a new head coach. Like, there, <laughs> you literally name that team in the ACC. And besides Virginia Tech, besides BC, besides Clemson, there's all pretty much either kind of questions at the position or guys that are new guys that are coming to take over that haven't really proved themselves. So that's, that's going to be the, the biggest factor, I think, for the ACC in general. Hey, Scott, any last comments? Thank you again for uh, coming on. We really appreciate it. Another minute to mute. Oh, no, it's my pleasure. It's uh, 
the sun is out. There's kids playing spike ball. I was just about to throw a football with my youngest son. So this is, there's nothing better to uh, start the uh, the opening week of football is playing catch catch on the beach uh, on the sun splash beach, and then we end it usually where I'm bucking up in some corner freezing freezing to death. So it's the the beautiful bookends of living in New England, Mike. <laughs> no question about it. You can hear Scott Mutch on the sideline, BC Radio, IMG Network, and. 93.7 FM in uh, Metro Boston. Sounds great, Mike. Hopefully we're – and what, hey, what are your thoughts on this weekend? You got a prediction on the score or anything? What are you feeling? Oh, for the BC game? BC Virginia Tech? Mm-hmm. Um, I think BC – you know, it's, I hate to get my expectations up week one because unfortunately it's been that. But I do think BC pulls out a very, very tight game. I think by seven or less with uh, BC winning at home and uh, – I think A.J. Dillon, I think there's a lot of pent-up energy with A.J. and the bowl game being canceled. I think he explodes for a real good one. And like I said, I think that's, this is going to be a key game, too, because uh, you're looking at uh, – you got to take advantage of the early, easy schedule, in my opinion, uh, Scott. I agree. they got to come out faster at home. And uh, it actually times up well with the Saturday of Labor Day weekend at a home game. Great time to get all the fans out. You know, the Plex is now gone. Big parking lot situation, big tailgate situation. Uh, Martin Jarmont did a great job of expanding the uh, tailgate hours, too. So you're going to have a lot of people out there raring to get at it. It should be a beautiful, sunny day. And uh, I I think that BC is going to be ready. I think you're going to see an angry, very poised to prove himself and put himself on the national map, A.J. Dillon this weekend. I'm thinking 150 to 200 from him in a really big game. That's pretty good right there. Also, I think, Scott, a lot of people will be listening to you. The ACC Network, brand new, airing the game 4 o'clock. A lot of people don't have that network yet. I, I know it's not on Comcast, so you might be getting some extra listeners as well this Saturday. Well, feel free to uh, listen in. It's, uh, what is it, Deerfield or Deerfield, Learfield, IMG Network. And yes. We're on... Uh, if you're on uh, Sirius XM, tune in for that, and then on top of 93.7, because no one wants to listen to the Red Sox. They're not even doing anything this year. So tune in to a Boston College football game at 4 o'clock and hear about what this, this year's team's all about. All right, Scott. Thanks so much, man. Another minute for mute. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com. Well, a big thanks to Scott Mutra for joining us here on the Minutes Review podcast. We'll be back each week to check in on the BC football team. Also, I'd like to remind everybody, if you're a BC football fan, you need to join the BC Football Gridiron Club. Just go to bcfootballgridiron.com to sign up and get more details. All right, thanks so much for listening, everybody. This is Mike Galtieri signing off.